First time I ever heard about the flat earthers was, I think, when I was in space last. I can't believe I'm talking about this. They was well-versed in just about every conspiracy you can think of. Chemtrails, 9-11. you know they made up dinosaurs? I completely solved the JFK assassination, which I'll share with you a different day. And then Mark said that he was a member of the Flat Earth Society. And I said, oh, Mark, what are you on to now? This. This is what it is. Excuse me, anyone ever told you the Earth is flat? I caught his smile and he wasn't buying it. Nobody wants to admit that they've been fooled, but it's happened to every one of us. If you look on Google Trends, it's like spike. There's now flat Earth dating sites. I mean, we've got songs. Why is it expanding the way it is? Right. If you get online, you'll see so-called evidence that seems scientific, and you go, huh, maybe they're onto something there. Science is having a problem combating what we're doing because they don't know how to address it. I want to believe this. This doesn't mesh with reality, so don't change my view, change reality. Now we're doing an international conference. It's okay to believe all this is really happening. In a conference, we want to prove there's no curvature. And if we can do that, it's game over. Can we get to the point where it's acceptable? All right. So, I mean, do we do, do we even need to do an episode, or would you say that's a that count for my review? I found the trailer on YouTube. I think a lot of things have been building up to this to this episode and to this very moment. Yes, it the has flat Earth episode, and I can't wait to share it with you. And uh, also, the uh, looks the guy in the plane was giving me the whole time I was uh, watching it on the flight back from Dallas last weekend, copiously taking right. notes. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, episode, this is 118, I believe. Yes, it is. Tell me where to turn. You can find us on Twitter. You can find the show at where to turn pod, and you can find me at Glenn three underscore 11. And you can find me at Tommy two underscore zero. Where do you think we could find Dave right now? Dave is somewhere where it's acceptable to wear mouse ears. Apparently. Which part of the country? In the eastern seaboard. They're Not the western. They're staying away from those lagoons they have there on site. Yeah. It'll be a little problematic. Not going to feed the alligators, I don't believe. Yeah. But, yes, Dave finally decided to go somewhere where people as affluent as him congregated. He hasn't, even, think- he hasn't even shared with me privately how much he's invested in this trip, but he said it would stun me. He's... He said it would probably bring me to my knees if I knew what he spent on this trip. And I've heard, I've heard some stories, especially people that have maybe like three or four kids or take extended family. And I mean, like, like easily five figures yeah. for a week long trip. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like and he, he did the thing where you hire the Disney travel agent or the, you know, the Disney concierge person that books all your reservations and activities. So he, he prepaid for most of this before he got there, and I, I don't think he he skimped on much. Now, if you're gonna go, go all the way. Do you think he uh, rented one of the homeless or disabled <laughs> so he could cut in line? I think when you go through the travel agent, that that's that's frowned upon, but also implied that if you're gonna spend that kind of money, you might make a new friend on your way into the park, as it were. What are your rates on the homeless these days <laughs> to get me on Space Mountain in less than 20 minutes? 
Now, one thing Dave did skimp on was telling us that he was going to be gone today because I believe we texted uh, to see about recording tonight, and he just sent back a picture of Disney World. <laughs> yeah, there was just some mention this morning of, uh, well, the the guy in the row behind me is giving me some great material for the show. <laughs> and I thought, what show? Unless... <laughs> Unless he's riding like the mini mine train right now, the row behind me probably means that um, he's departing and would not be on yet again this week. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sad he's going to have to miss this one. Yeah, uh, me too, but we couldn't delay this any longer. So No, in the pa- I have, pantheon uh, of show prep, this one, uh, I may have been prepped more for this episode than any of the previous 117. Wow. All of them combined. <laughs> I have a few things that I want to bring up first before we let you uh, step up to the podium and, and go on for about 45 minutes. Um, did you see, of course, I saw this first as a season ticket holder. Did you see the XFL's TV deal that they struck? I did. I can't believe it. Pretty impressive stuff for sure. Very impressive, and I, I and I don't get it because I mean we're, we're the AAF's body's not even cold yet, and there's no. already another network family of networks lining up to throw more money at non NFL football. I'm I'm stunned. But see, that's that's where it's different. And for one, the scope of the TV deal surprised me. The fact that it's crossing streams between. The ABC ESPN relationship, as well as the Fox family. Yeah, um, I mean, that, and that I mean that's very NFL, right? They oh, yeah. market their brand to every network. So I don't know if they're going to do something, and this might be a smart thing: is maybe have the teams that play in the East Coast, the ABC ESPN, the West Coast games are always with Fox, so you always know where to go. Yeah, so know. like Joe, Joe and Troy will always call the West Coast games, um, and yeah. Yeah, I expect that Joe and Troy are going to be at Globe Life Park with me and Coach Stoops as the the Dallas Outlaws off to an undefeated season. Um, well, I'm worried Vince is going to have to give Fox just the rights for free to make up for the horrible ratings SmackDown Live is going to bring to the network <laughs> as the company slowly descends into creative hell after uh, after just shooting all their bullets last week. Well, let me let me get to that's my second bullet point. Let me get past the uh, first one first. But the difference between this and the alliance is the alliance had no TV deal other than they were paying the networks. Right, they were paying for time. Yeah, there was no. They were basically using uh, just a a national variation of public access TV, (laughs) as opposed to this. This is all negotiated. I'm sure there's revenue agreements and all that. Like the Alliance wasn't getting anything. They were just getting their games broadcast. That was their only, that was their benefit. So I still, even with all this in place, if I set the over under on the life of this version of the XFL at two and a half years, what are you, what are you taking Uh, under? You think it makes it two years? It, the first one didn't, and the first one started out with unbelievable ratings in the first week and went and went so far south by yeah. the end of the season that they couldn't come back from it. 
I'm going to say that they get to two and then they fold it. I think they're going to get through two seasons and fold it. I think I think Vince will will stubbornly come back out for the second season, even if he has to fund every cent yeah. of it out of his own pocket, just to just to not fail after one season, and then they'll fold it. Right. I kind of think maybe it goes an additional year. Maybe they get through two, and then the networks are like, "Hey, this is a great idea." <laughs> the first season or the first month, everybody liked it, but nobody's watching and then Vince same thing he funds it all he just puts it on the WWE network and then nobody's watching it there except for the season ticket holders and uh and then it goes away so I, I put me down for three seasons before it folds can I tell you a funny XFL incarnation one story uh, absolutely this is a this is probably one of my favorite stories so this is from the Bruce Pritchard podcast they did an XFL episode which if you haven't heard it you certainly should go back since you're a season ticket holder but when they ran the when they ran it through the first time xfl the first time was in the wwe's heyday and that's when when they were tv 14 bordering on tvma just over sexualized lots of cussing middle fingers you know it was the subject matter was really different so stephanie was young you know she's probably in her she's right out of school like so she's in her mid-20s and yep. she's playing a character on wrestling at the time, which was she was supposed to marry a wrestler who's now deceased and ends up getting drunk and or getting drugged by Triple H and marries him. And so the crowd took to whenever she would come out, they would start this very offensive chant of slut, slut, slut. <laughs> this is this is on WWE. So anytime she came out, though, yeah. just imagine 17,000 strong, just slut, slut, slut. So XFL's on network TV. They uh, they have a sideline reporter, female sideline reporter, who's up in the stands. And for some reason, something happens during the game where she she I think she gets fired mid game or something happens or she walks off the job. And they need a they need a new female sideline reporter to and they, and they, they was basically doing the Noxy bit, you know, going in the crowd and like, yeah. oh hey, here's a guy from China that's 99 years old. Let's talk to him. Well, Stephanie's there with Vince because, uh, you know, she's the daughter, but she's not an on-air personality for XFL. Well, they, they now need somebody to go on the stand. So she's young. She has experience on TV. So they say, yeah, here, take the microphone, go up in the stands. Well, she goes up in the stands and in a live shot, when she goes up in the stands, everybody around her just starts chanting on football, slut, slut, slut. Uh, <laughs> and the people yeah. in the TV truck who aren't familiar with wrestling are like, what are they saying? Right. Do we need to be beeping this out? I have heard some stories about, and I think that's a big difference in this version of it and the last one. Like the last one, the wrestling people put everything together. Right, which which is, if you listen to that podcast, which was the worst idea because none of them know anything about football. Right, and I do know that um, shortly before the league was starting, that they were on a flight, and Vince was just kind of thinking about things out loud or whatever, things that they could do, and he was just talking about how, um, you know, the, uh, the coin toss, that's a boring thing. Everybody does a coin toss and he's just like sitting there and all of a sudden he's just like that gum pal, <laughs> let's just roll out have him down. And that's who gets the ball. And like that was, but that was the, the approach to it. It wasn't, they're not running it by Oliver Luck. Who's got like a Harvard education and bringing in like people that actually run football teams before it was just, yeah. Spur of the moment, stream of consciousness. Let's Dead do gum, this. Dead gum, pal. Look, we're going to have a wild card rule. 
<laughs> I'm a genius. Uh, okay, so that transitions nicely. I have a question. Um, did we kill wrestling? Because it seems like it was doing pretty well, and then we started. I started watching it. We started following it intently, and and now everything I read is lowest ratings ever. I think and we did. Is I think this thing dying. I think this podcast alone might have killed it for everyone. Like they're in desperation mode. No, but this is this is the thing about wrestling. If you've studied it over time, is it is the most cyclical business in the world. It has its ups and its downs. And right when you think that it's gotten bad and it's never gonna get better, something will happen. Somebody emerges and it comes back up to the top. So I've I've got I've got full faith that it'll come back yet again. But they're definitely feeling the heat. The just some of the decisions they've made recently, you can tell they've they've essentially realized that they don't have any top in stars. They've got a bunch of interesting guys that some people like, but they yeah. don't have any transcendent performers anymore. And they've, they've realized that they've got to do something to combat that. And now they're scrambling and trying everything. Now my hope, and I really, really hope this is true, but I don't think it is, is that they've now got Vince playing like a starting to lose it senile old man character. That's just doing everything wrong, like publicly on TV, but it's part of the act. Okay. I, f- I feel like I could really get behind that. Okay. Because even even they the reason I think it might be there is if you recall at the beginning of Raw when he's making his aren't I great speech and he says that he's going to have three people be able to cross over every week due to the wild card rule. And then when Elias shows up, that's actually the fourth person. And he says something to the effect of like he has to cover up that he meant four. Okay. I think that's I think this is going down the path of, of him just kind of portraying this like crazy can't be wrong not not making any sense character and triple h has done some stuff on twitter all of a sudden that makes it seem like he's acknowledging the fact that things aren't going well so if they're setting up like some kind of on-screen power struggle where triple h comes in and is like look i'm saving wwe from you because you've lost it and we're taking the company away from you power struggle i'm in for that man i if that's if that's where this is headed count me in on this well, they, they got to do something because just having Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley tag team against two other guys every single week is uh, like I was telling you today, if Baron Corbin ends up winning the ladder match and getting a shot at a title, I'm it's over. I've already got tickets. I've got tickets purchased for live events here locally. But other than that, I'm done for the foreseeable future. So you're, so you're backing I, out of WrestleMania. You're backing out of Tampa Bay already, huh? No, 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 no. Foreseeable future is just <laughs> until I change my mind. You're just going to have a, have a nice protest. That's good. That's good. I, yeah. I, and I'll, I'll support you in that. But there's no way they're letting Corbin win that. No, I don't think so either. But just the in, infinitesimal chance that they do, I will be at I think th- I think you're going to be very happy with the results of the men's money in the bank. Okay. That's my prediction. Otherwise, I'll be at Terminal D, Gate 26, with my pizza, <laughs> protesting the lone wolf. Just make sure to get a vegetarian option. So, um, l- last thing is, have you watched any of these Dark Side of the Ring episodes I've watched them on all. Vice? I've watched them all. And the first two were okay. The last two, the Bruiser Brody and the Von Erichs, were so- s- superb. Those were the two that I I watched this past weekend. Okay. And the, the Von Erics, them being local, I I knew a lot of that stuff, 
but not everything. Well, I and didn't, to be honest with you, I was shocked I at what happened to the first brother. I didn't know any of that stuff about him being in Japan and getting sick. Like I didn't know any of that part of the yeah. story. So when David died, yeah, Dave, in in Japan, I always thought that it was uh, some sort of either steroid or drug, like something that induced a heart attack. Right. I had no idea he had an intestinal issue. He basically, in some form or fashion, had what I dealt with yeah. last year, but just never treated it. And I cannot imagine that existence if he went like weeks on end just letting that go. Oh, yeah. I and couldn't then get flying to, a day. to Japan, working matches with Iliitis. Well, they had to just been pumping him with whatever. Oh, I'm sure that painkiller painkillers were out of control. But I know, but they were talking about how he had gotten real pale and didn't look healthy. It's like that's that was your future. That's what would have happened to you. Yeah, I would have had to go to Japan. That's the worst part. Yeah, but, but I, that um, I knew about the the kid. I guess it was the was he the oldest one? The kid that got electrocuted. Yeah, the, the by trailer. the trailer. Yeah, which I I didn't know that I part of the story that. either. I knew about that. He was I knew six about when that happened. Carrie suicide, right. but I didn't know the circumstances that he showed up and told his dad that he loved him, and then drove out to a field. I obviously knew about Mike Von Erich in the sleeping bag, as I referenced that about every other week. Um, Kevin's the only one, right? Yeah, and he's the one that's living in Hawaii now, living the uh, Don Nelson existence out there, it looks like. Yeah, he's he's pretty wheels off. Oh, he's very wheels character. off. Yeah, very wheels off. Did you... Well, like uh, when they, sh- they show him, he's sitting there watching his other two sons wrestle. I was kind of... Yeah. I was a little creeped out by all that. Yeah, no, well, just he, he, a lot of his recollection of their dad and stories and stuff. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things I have little questioning of. Oh, did, for sure. Did you, uh, did you enjoy the bruiser Brody one that I thought that was a pretty fascinating tale. Yeah. And I, I knew that he had died tragically, but I think that's all that I knew about that. I'd know the details of his that, murder. That I inva- invader Brody. number one <laughs> killed him. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Bruiser Brody wrestle one time. Are you when serious? I was a kid. Wow. I'm, I, I, and you're a little bit older than me, but I had no familiarity with him. And w- after watching it, I went on a little YouTube rabbit hole because I was like, I got to see this guy perform because he was he was dynamic. Oh yeah, swinging that chain around like what a great yeah. what a great bit he had going. No, it was it's far enough back. I, I'd have to ask uh, my mom and dad how old I was, but it's like pretty much like beginning of my memory. So I couldn't have been older than maybe seven or eight when we went, but it was like live. I think it was somewhere in Fort Worth, probably Will Rogers Coliseum or someplace like that. So yeah, but that was, that was crazy. And uh, of course he's murdered by a fellow wrestler in the shower, spoiler alert. And the uh, eh, Puerto Rico is kind of like, this big deal yeah this is just wrestling yeah they didn't seem too worried about it considering that they went ahead and just had the wrestling show after he was stabbed including people that were eyewitnesses to the murder just going through the going through the routine like nothing happened when they said the when it finally went to trial months later that a big uh sticking point or determining factor with the uh the jury was they they believed his character was was real real. yeah he really was insane like that. So the, the invader number one 
he pled self-defense. Jose, he, invader number one. Who, in the shower with an eight-inch hunting knife, but who isn't? I mean, I know <laughs> I carry one everywhere that I go. Yeah, it's hard to shower without one these days. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then that was like 30 years ago. It's a different Puerto Rico now, I assume, but I don't know. It might be a place that, unless you're at an all-inclusive resort or you need a shortstop, it's definitely not the place you want to be involved in a murder trial. I can I can tell you that. Yeah, I think I think that's fair considering they sent subpoenas to the people that had eyewitness accounts ten days after the trial was over. Yeah. It's never a good time. You know that, uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think who the players were. So you had Tony Atlas, uh, yep. Abdullah the Butcher, who's not doing well. No, he's not. I was surprised he was still alive. And then there was the other guy with the kind of the bushy beard, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he, his uh, wrestling gym is, is less than 10 minutes from where I'm, I'm sitting right now. I want to say it was, it wasn't, was it Dusty something? No. I don't know. David. I'll think. I'll think of it in a minute. Oh, Dutch Dylan. Mantel. That's who it was. There you go. Dutch. But his gym David. is like ten minutes from where I'm sitting right now, so I could go by there, pay my deposit, and start training with Dutch before Man. this podcast is over. Why not? What great material that would be. <laughs> we do ten minutes of Tommy's wrestling training. Yeah, as I'm uh, as I'm paying Dutch Mantel to make me into a man. All right. That that's all. Those are the topics that I had. So now, uh, was pretty good. We get man. to your your punishment and the audience's reward. So yes, I'm not very good at picking things. <laughs> and uh, as punishment, I had to watch the Netflix documentary, 2018 documentary, Behind the Curve. This documentary is a, uh, as we played the clip when we opened the show, is an inside look at the flat earth community. And believe me, I'm going to use the word flat earth all over Twitter in this episode, and we are going to get so many downloads, so many listens, if they made it through the first 20 minutes of us talking about WWE. But they may also think that's real, so we could be on to something here. Yeah, I think the Venn diagram there is pretty, pretty overlapping. So I'm going to go through the, the show chronologically, but before we do, I want to give you a few high-level concepts. So in the world of, in the flat earth community, it's really caught fire here in the last probably seven or eight years. There's always been a contingent of people who believe that. The rise of social media, the internet, and particularly, this is going to excite you, podcasts is what's really... Oh propagated the flat earth doctrine around the world. So in fact, a lot of this show focuses around several notable podcasts in the flat earth community. And what's funny is when they're, when they're um, filming the movie, they're, they're filming them, people doing podcasts, not any different than we do. There's a a lady that is in Houston and a guy that's in Seattle and they do it on Skype. I mean, exactly the same setup as we are. And they were like, "Well, here we are, episode 180," and I'm like, "This, this is deja vu, man. I mean, you know, we're gonna be there. Like, we're doing the same thing they are, except that they've attracted a much bigger audience. Uh, you know, slightly. And we'd like to, we'd like to welcome any of you, uh, any of their listeners, flat Earth listeners, uh, here to our episode today. So, the uh, the documentary. F- profiles several people, but it really centers on one key individual who the probably. 70 to 80% of the documentaries is focused around. 
there's two key figures in the world of Flat Earth. So the guy that this episode fo- focuses around is a guy named Mark Sargent, and I'm going to come back to him in just a minute. But when we listen to the trailer on the way in, most of those clips were of Mark Sargent. Okay. If you want to picture Mark Sargent, he looks exactly like Dan McDowell. It's unbelievable. Like, I'm looking at this. The first note I have in my copious amount of notes is Dan McDowell lookalike. That's Mark Sargent. So that so get your visual of Mark Sargent. Dan Mc, looks, everything about him is Dan McDowell. Well, there's another guy that's kind of the other big force in Flat Earth named Matt Boyland, but he actually has changed his name to Math Powerland. So he was Whoa. Matt Boyland. Now his name is Math Powerland. Math Powerland. Okay. Okay. So Math Powerland is the polar opposite of Dan McDowell in that uh, he... So so Dan, uh, Mark Sargent, is a completely laid-back, fairly articulate dude, like definitely opinionated, but certainly not aggressive or confrontational. He's just, just kind of a doughy guy and a ball cap. Well, Matt... Boyland, a.k.a. Math Powerland, is this just clearly mentally disturbed, screaming at the camera, very paranoid, very distrusting of the government. So originally when the producers of this documentary wanted to do it, they, their, their idea was to, to focus on Dan and Matt, or sorry, Mark Sargent, I keep calling him Dan, Mark Sargent and, uh, and Matt. Boylan. Right. So, of course, Mark Sargent's like, yeah, great, pal. Uh, yeah, come visit me. Uh, come profile me. Well, well, Math Powerland immediately thinks that the government's trying to infiltrate him and puts out this ridiculous list of demands uh, for Netflix if they're, if they're going to be allowed to film or, or feature him in the, uh, in the documentary. So listen to his list of demands and tell me if you think that he thought this through. So first he asked for $5,000. That's fair. 12% of the profits of the whatever they make on the documentary. Seems excessive. Full creative and editing control over <laughs> the entire documentary. And 25 to 50 of the percent 25 to 50% of the film must support or must only feature him and no one else. So 25 to 50% of the film must feature him and no one else. And then the, my favorite part is that the producers and directors of the show must on camera acknowledge that Mark Sargent. So the other guy, his rival is not actually a flat earther, but a plant by the Warner brothers studio to spread misinformation. Oh, wow. So needless to say, the producers of this documentary did not agree to math Powerland's terms. So he's only featured in here uh, in replaying his YouTube videos. He's never interviewed for the show. So he's a big figure in the community, and he's referenced a lot in here, but you don't actually get a chance to interview him because okay. they weren't able to meet his demands. So just a quick update. You know, we used to do live sports updates. I'll just do a live Twitter update. We now follow, the show now follows Math Powerland on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Oh. Good. Well, we're plants for Warner Brothers, so we may be in some trouble. Uh, that's true. He's going to know. So to go chronologically through it, we start and we meet Mark Sargent, a.k.a. Dan McDowell. He lives in Seattle, and he's standing at the edge of the ocean, looking across the sound into downtown Seattle. And he's pointing out to the camera, and he said, hey, that's 
10 miles away or whatever it is, how come I can see the buildings clearly? If the earth was curved, there's no way I should be able to see downtown Seattle. Okay. And then we cut to a montage of him at home. We get to meet his mom, who's skeptical. You heard her a little bit in the promo. And you also get cut to a clip of him explaining exactly what he believes. So we're going to lay this out because Math Powerland doesn't agree specifically with what he believes. But he believes that we're in a giant biodome. So the earth is flat, and then the sky is actually a projection, and that the sun and moon are just lights on this projection, and it's all encased. And if you you were um, purposeful about it, you could get to the end of the dome, which he says is surrounded at 360 degrees around by a giant wall of ice. He points out that it's illegal to go to the polls because the government who's in control doesn't want people to go there because they would find out that they would had actually reached the edge of the flat earth. So you've got the built-in excuse of why we can't do something that would possibly disprove our theory or prove it because the government won't let you. Correct. So you've got that, you've got that out now. And they do push him on what he means by the government because he can't ever actually articulate yeah. what he means by that. So he, he keeps saying, what's the... It's the people in control. It's, it's the, the power makers. But he never says it's the president of the United States or the Rockefellers or, you know, he references all these different people. It's just this kind of unknown entity that's in control of everything. So, and not having seen this, but seen other stuff on, you know, this conspiracy and others, like, it seems like if you ask someone who, this is what they believe, flat earth thing, like, what's the point? Like, what's the payoff? What What is the government, the world, what's the payoff if they lie to us? And they're telling us the, the Earth is round, but it's actually flat. Like, And I believe the answer is just usually, like what you just said, it's just all part of the plan. It's all just part of, it's one piece of mind control, basically. Right, and we're, and we're going to get into, because each person we, we meet along the way has a slightly different theory. But they said basically that the the globe was originally designed, you know, or the concept of it being uh, round was originally designed to promote sun worship and to control people. And we're going to get into a lot more detail on that. So there's plenty more to come on that. But I just just stay tuned because as we get through this, they're they're going to peel back the layers on that just a little bit. So one more question: Do other planets exist? In their, in no, their absolutely minds. not. Now, what it's he just th- us. W- what he said is no planets is a is not a good term for this. He said that outside of our biodome, there could be other biodomes that exist completely independent of us, and whoever's setting all these up is pulling the strings on those. But as far as our like, they don't believe in outer space. They don't believe in the moon. They don't believe in planets. They believe in the biodome yeah. and the the blue that you see up there is the ceiling of the biodome. Okay, so whenever they're done constructing Globe Life Field, they're going to be going where else to build the new dome somewhere. Right, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Throughout the movie, they they have different prove-it points where they they state a fact or a scientific uh, theory that proves that the Earth is flat, and then usually the way the movie's edited is they immediately show somebody like, easily disproving it. So we get our first one of those with, with, uh, with Mark. So as he's kind of talking about what him got, what it got him into flat earth, you know, he said that, you know, as he's putting out this theory about the, uh, the earth not being round, he, uh, 
he notices that there's no planes that fly along the southern part of the hemisphere because of the way that the Earth's flat. So then he says, I sat in front of my computer for 45 hours straight looking at the, the so there's, I guess, I don't know if it's Google or, or maybe it's not, it's not a Google site, but it's a, it's a site where you can look at a Google Earth and it shows every plane that's in the air at the time. And he's like, oh, I just okay. kept waiting for one to cross the Southern Hemisphere and it never happened, you know, and, he's, and, he, and it shows him staring at the screen and there's planes around all the land masses and there's, there's never one that goes. And he, I looked for 45 hours just waiting for one to go across Southern Hemisphere. It never happened. Well, then they cut to like this lady that had listened to his podcast and she's got the same website pulled up and there's like four or five planes like clearly flying across the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> and she like just pulled it up like right as the computer came in. Right. So that's just the first the first uh, item of marks that got um that got immediately disproven, which was pretty funny. Well, it could be some of that is just he doesn't really know what he's looking at. Doesn't know how to interpret the information. No, but and they and I think this comes later. But they posted the stat that said that that people that know a lot about a specific topic. So if you're an expert in baseball or you're an expert in DraftKings or whatever it is, like the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know everything, right? You, the more knowledgeable you become about something, you realize how much more there is to know. But they said the most dangerous people in the world are people that know just a little bit about something and immediately think they're an expert without yeah. ever digging in. And that really describes a lot of the flat earth community is they, they pick one thing that they feel like is an anomaly, fixate on that, and then determine that they're experts and that, that science can't be trusted. It's amazing. I feel like that's, there's a scientific term for that, but I cannot recall it at this moment in time. And they actually said the name of it. I didn't write it down, but there, it's actually, there actually is a scientific term for that. So then we, uh, we cut and meet this other guy named Jaron, and he's a real interesting dude. So he, um, he's a younger guy, and when you meet him, he's got two hammers in each hand, and he's bouncing a golf ball on the like, head of the hammer and then switching between it. And he says this is brain activity because he realized at some point in his life, and he's only in his 20s, that he had this epiphany that he was losing brain cells and brain mass. So he, he disconnected from all reality and started doing all these things just aimed to train his brain. So bouncing these balls and hammers, doing things with his left hand. And that's when he realized that the earth was flat. Oh, okay. Well, so this guy, perfect. yeah. So this guy, uh, the reason he's in the documentary is he has the largest flat earth Facebook group in the world. Jaron does. And he's very upfront about his belief. So there's a sh there's a um, there's a scene where he's just running through a parking lot, screaming at people that the Earth is flat. I mean, just acting completely crazy. And then there's another scene where he's driving his car, and he's driving down the highway, and he's like clearly just reading a book while driving about and explaining to the camera crew about some minute point that he's found in this book. Yeah, it's very funny that he's just driving and reading a book. And Jaron comes back up later, but he's certainly not a central figure, but, but very funny. So how is he doing? He's in his 20s. He's left society. Basically. Yeah, he's living off the grid. He's living in this like beaten trailer. He does have a girlfriend, though. Oh. All but it, right. doesn't, it doesn't look like... Um, I'm guessing that he's probably not too worried about like market fluctuations impact on his 401k. Right. If that's what, if that's what you're asking. That was really where I was headed. So then uh, we cut back to uh, our friend Mark Sargent, and he's explaining just the sudden proliferation of all things Flat Earth. So he says there's Flat Earth dating sites, there's Flat Earth music that's being relief, released, and he's playing this just cheesy, like, folky, 
happy song about the earth being flat. And then he makes this very controversial point that I backed away from the microphone. He said, flat earth people are generally happy people. When was the last time someone made a happy folk song about 9-11? That's a little different. I guess, no, that's, that's completely different. So, and another thing that um, you learn as you listen to more and more of Mark talk is his number one enemy in the world is NASA. So he has NASA squarely in his crosshairs because he feels like that, that NASA was created by the government to be the single source of all the misinformation about the earth, the globe, space. So he frequently, and we're going to get to this several different points, but he frequently uh, goes to war with NASA on different fronts about things. Okay. Again, I just don't see, I don't see the payoff. I mean, the vast majority of the population doesn't care about any of this stuff. So how are you influencing the population if most people... We just had, like, the mayoral vote in Dallas and, like, 9% of the population voted for the mayor. Do you think anybody cares, like, what's in space? Oh, they didn't tell us about this star. (laughs) They may have lied about this planet. Nobody cares about that. Anyway. Now we get to meet Patricia. Now, Patricia is somebody that you might need to be looking up. So, Patricia, a, a last name? I, you know what? I didn't write down her last name, but I can, I can tell you because we can look at the IMDb um, for the movie. So, Patricia hosts a podcast, and she, she is what I would call risk-adjusted for flat earth. She's flat earth hot, Patricia is. She's single. <laughs> okay. She's got a whole bunch of cats. She loves cats. Yeah, it's a it's a red flag. So we have um, female that loves cats and uh, Mark Sargent. Does he live with mom or mom's just there? I think I'm pretty sure Mark lives with mom. They don't ever say it specifically because he actually takes on the stereotype that all flat earthers are people that live in their mom's basement. So I think the gag is that he actually lives in the main house. Uh, okay. They never He's fully articulated that, but he does not have a job. Mark does not have a job. So Seattle's not at the cheapest place in the world to live. Ooh, I found it. It's Patricia Steer. Yes, Patricia Steer. And there's See, something she's got going on on Twitter. Go ahead. There's no, there's some interesting, there's some interesting points about Patricia Steer uh, that we're going to get to here in a minute. But, um, she had a podcast that was starting to gain some traction, and then she had Mark uh, Sargent on as a guest one day to kind of perpetuate the flat Earth dialogue, and they really hit it off. And it's kind of like the Point Break Dave story. After after a few episodes, they just realized that hey, Mark's pretty much the co-host of the show now. So Mark and Patricia are now doing the show together, even though she started it by herself. Okay, so. There's kind of some un- underlying sexual tension between the two where they can't ever quite bring themselves to admit that they are in love, but there's, there's clearly something going on there. So she actually um, had flown out to Seattle at one point and considered moving there to be with Mark, but then ultimately decided not to because, quote, do you have any idea how much it costs to move cats? Um... No, I do not. But I know what it costs to uh, just leave them in the country and move to a different house. That's free. 
As I'm scrolling down my notes, we've answered one of our own questions. The Donnie Kruger effect. You don't oh, okay. know a lot, but you have more confidence that you than you should. You don't know a lot about a subject, but you have more confidence that you know everything. The Donnie Kruger effect. Well, there you go. The more you know. They play a montage at this point of celebrities that have fessed up to being fatter or flat earthers in popular culture. Would you like to know the three people that they chose to show? This sounds like a Clarence Murphy bit. Okay, go ahead. In These fact, are people that believe in it? People that have acknowledged that they feel like the earth is flat in some oh, type okay. of an interview setting. I think okay. you're going to be pretty happy with this three, because I think these are all three people that you're going to be pretty on board with. Kyrie Irving. Moron. Shaq. Big moron. And get ready for this. AJ Styles. <laughs> oh, no, the phenomenal one. <laughs> the phenomenal one. Like, these, uh, these are people that are saying Earth definitely flat, or is this the whole... Uh, Hey, maybe this is just something you should look into. You can't believe everything you're told. No, I think I think all these were just kind of like more along the lines of like, well, you know, hey, I mean, do we really know everything? But they latch on to those three. Okay. So now we cut back to a clip of our uh, our friend Mark, and he's making another point that's about to be quickly disproven. He's standing outside, and he says, "Well, if you believe science, we're." hurtling through space at 66,000 miles an hour. But yeah, I'm completely calm and peaceful where I'm standing right here. <laughs> then they cut to a scientist who's like, you know, if you're riding in a car and you throw a ball up in the air, it lands right back in your hand. <laughs> right. It doesn't like fly back through the back window. And... So poor yeah. Mark Sargent. So now they, uh, they cut into the first clips of Math Power Land. And one of the things that he, where he and Mark Sargent completely veer on their um, ideology is that Math Powerland, a.k.a. Matt Boylan, does not believe in the dome. He believes in infinite space. So he believes the Earth is flat, but he believes that everything out above you is actually just infinity, that there's not a finite dome covering the Earth, which is where he, uh, his beliefs and uh, Mark's are in direct contrast. And he does he believe in other planets or just there's just a bunch of space? He out just there. believes in infinite space, not necessarily okay. other planets. Now, Mark sets the uh, math this way. He says of the flat Earth community, 70% believe in the biodome, which is what he believes, and about 30% believe in Matt Boylan's infinite space theory. But he also feels like now this is Mark speaking, feels like that there's plenty of room for those two. Uh, those two ideologies to coexist within the bigger flat Earth community where Matt Boyland is strongly opposed to that and feels like that anybody oh, who no. believes the biodome um, is not a true flat earther. One of the big points that Matt Sargent brings out, or that, that uh, Matt Boyland brings out against Mark Sargent, is that um, Mark has a deal with Warner Brothers, who has a deal with the CIA. So this Warner Brothers theme comes up a lot. So what is, it, what is this based on? Is there any evidence of this, or he just... He just claims it. No, but I think I think what he what he thinks is that he stumbled on the truth, and Warner Brothers has hired uh, an actor and Mark Sargent to come out and make up this biodome theory because Warner Brothers is the same studio that produced the Truman Show, which also featured somebody living in a biodome. So he thinks that the people that developed that movie are now trying to push their theory even further through Mark Sargent. 
Okay. Truman Show, good movie? Uh, yeah, not bad. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I saw it in the theater, so it's been probably 20 years but or longer. I don't know when it came out. But. Right. So that's our review. Truman Show's it's yeah. an okay movie. Um, Math Powerland, Matt Boyland also believes that 9-11 was faked by the mm. same people that are responsible for the flat earth conspiracy and also said that the uh, Boston marathon bombing was also not real. So this guy is buying into all the conspiracies. What do you mean? Not like just didn't occur at all. Or? It was faked. Uh, nobody was actually injured. There wasn't really a bomb. All Warner brothers. I mean, he, he, he thinks that everything that he sees on TV is staged by a major film studio. Okay. Imagine that existence. Of course, he can't probably can't just compare it to someone else, but just it seems like you're just trapped in misery if you think everything's a conspiracy or propagated by the government. That just well, it gets worse. Oh, he also okay. has Patricia Steer in his sights. This is what he calls her. He calls her the flat earth honeypot. She's there to oh, no. lure people in. That is offensive in the Me Too era, for one. Yes. So Matt says that Patricia works for the CIA because the last three letters of her name are CIA, Patricia. He also accused her of being a transsexual, to which well, she was highly offended and did a video podcast where she showed her long-form birth certificate, to which oh, he replied... Yeah. That doesn't prove anything. You work for the CIA. Do you not think they could easily fake a birth certificate? Which he kind of does have a point there. If you're going to yeah, believe she works true. for the CIA, showing a birth certificate doesn't um, doesn't really prove anything. Um, I mean, I'm I found here's a picture. I mean, you know, theoretically, we're dealing just in hypotheticals here. He could be on to something. <laughs> not with the CIA part, with the other part. And I mean, no offense. What's we funny is that, that a lot now. of the flat earthers have real hot sports opinions about transsexual, transgender, so which doesn't really jive with the other liberal ideology that they have, but they're very much against anything being represented as not what they think it should be. They're very skeptical of that, which includes that community. Okay. Now we're going to shift to meet the third player in this play, and this may be my favorite guy. But first, I need your help. Did you ever watch Jackass? Yes. Okay. The show, was there, the movies. Was there a guy on there named Chris Pontius? Yes, there was. Okay, well, there's a guy in this also named Chris Pontius, but it's not the same guy. Not the same guy. But that's who we're about to meet. And here is the part that's going to be game-changing information for you. Chris Pontius lives in Dallas. Really? Yes. All right, well, let's find him on Twitter. Yes, he's got long, long, long gray hair. Oh, he doesn't sound fun. Well, wait till you hear what he did, and then maybe you'll change your mind. So Chris Pontius is a man that works with his hands. He's a craftsman. He's not a man of words, not a man of verbosity. He works with his hands. Okay. He became convinced that the flat earth was true and was looking for ways to tell people that it was true, but he realized that he wasn't good at public speaking, he wasn't persuasive, so he needed to use his gifts to communicate that the earth was flat. So what would you do in that case? If you were handy and you wanted to tell people the earth was flat, what would you do? 
Um, I guess you would just you make the dome. Well, he thought that maybe the best thing to do would be to make a motorcycle out of wood <laughs> and name it the Flat Earth Rider. And then what he does is he rides around and flat smacks people with knowledge. All right. But you well, are actually partially correct because his business, the way that he makes his way in this world is making models of the dome. And this guy, I mean, when you talk about handmade craftsmanship, this guy takes it to a whole new level. They spent quite a bit of time in his workshop. I mean, I'm actually like, as crazy as this documentary was, I would buy one of these things this guy made. I mean, the, the level of detail and intricacy is unbelievable. And he's even built the lighting contraption that mimics the sun and the moon inside the dome in the theory of the way that it all is set up according to Mark Sargent. And these things right. are incredible. So I think he said he had made 33 of them. And he sells them for like thousands of dollars each. But that's how he makes his way in this world. Chris right. Pontius drives around in the flat earth rider motorcycle and makes his way in the world by um, selling models of the, of the uh, dome. But here's the funny part, right? So you've got the sun and the moon and they've, they, they have it standing like on, so you got to imagine this. It's the flat earth spread out. Well, then in the middle of it, they have this like, like pole. And then on one, like with another with another horizontal piece. So they've got a sun on one side and a moon on the other side. And this pole spins around to take the sun and the moon to every part of the earth throughout the day. But my question is, wouldn't we have found the pole? Yeah. So where's the pole? Yeah. Where's the pole? Do they think there's a pole? Yeah. There's gotta be a pole to hold up this fault sun and moon. And nobody, uh, nobody ever asked that question. Hmm. So, uh, then we meet, um, Another podcast called the uh, the Globebusters. So not the Ghostbusters, the Globebusters. These guys are doing a crowdsource funding to buy this extremely expensive gyroscope to prove that the Earth is not spinning. What really expensive gyroscope? I mean, they, is it special? They raise twenty thousand dollars to buy this gyroscope. So they actually show these guys doing the test. So what they say is they put this gyroscope in a, in a uh, location and then they say uh, they have done the math. And what's funny about all these flat earth guys is, is in, a, in one way they're extremely stupid because they, they don't believe totally affirmed science. But they're also really smart because they do these highly sophisticated math calculations. They build out these really scientific models. These are not ignorant people they're just really misguided people that are that are using what intellect they have completely wrong so they they've calculated that this over a prescribed amount of time in 60 minutes that if the earth is spinning this gyroscope will have moved at exactly 15 degrees so what they decided to do was to prove that because any gyroscope you have is going to move that amount over the course of the hour but what they had what they had hypothesized is that it was getting false readings from either magnets or other things that are going on the earth. And it wasn't actually registering the true spin of the earth. So they build this really, really elaborate 
box out of um, material that totally makes it impervious to radio waves, to magnetism, and they put the gyroscope in this box. So the plan is they seal it up, they start the timer for 60 minutes, and when they pull it out, they're going to prove that it hasn't moved at all instead of the 15 degrees that it should have moved um, because of the Earth. And that's just 15 degrees or like 15 degrees at a time? 15 degrees per hour. So in 60 minutes, it will have moved 15 degrees but they, but their theory is that that when they put it in this this apparatus that they've built, it won't move at all because all the things that were making every other gyroscope in the world give false readings have now been blocked out by this box that they've built, which they okay, spent the 15, thousands of dollars. Fifteen degrees, built. yeah, the fifteen degrees makes sense mathematically now that I think about it. Okay, go ahead. Did you just do something but divided by three sixty? That uh, well, you multiply the two together. That's, okay. Just I curious. did that. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, congrats. Welcome to Matt. Doing, gr- doing good over here. As somebody once said. So they 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 uh, they have several people over. They put it in the box. They cover it. Sixty minutes later, they pull it out. It's moved fifteen degrees. <laughs> are they hitting it? Like, oh, that can't be right. No. So they spent twenty thousand dollars in this thing, and they said, well, the the issue here is that the box we built is still allowing things to get through to give it false signals. So they're going to go back and brainstorm and build another box. That's better. So now we're back cutting over to Mark Sargent and he's flown down to Houston to visit his lady friend, Patricia steer. And what they decide to do is that they're going to go on to enemy territory. And do you know what that means in Houston? Is it NASA? They're going to visit NASA, but not visit NASA. They're going to the NASA museum. Okay, I've been there. It's it's very overrated. Well, we we had like free tickets. That's the only way I'd go if it was free. Mark says that the museum's terrible, mostly fake, and in his defense, almost everything in there was broken. Like they went to all these exhibits, and it would be like push the button, and nothing would happen. Yeah. So I'm kind of on Mark's side here. But as they're going through there, they're doing that. So. Uh, Patricia has like a selfie stick and they're doing a live video podcast the whole time they're in there just ripping on NASA in the NASA museum. Well, they get to a picture of the moon, like the moon landing where they have like the, you know, recreation of the astronauts on the moon. And he like turns the camera around and he's like, look at this. This doesn't look anything like the moon. Like as he's like looking up at the moon in the sky. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So it's going to look exactly the same, a picture that's supposed to be on there than it does from however many thousands and thousands of miles away it is. Exactly. So they're snooping around NASA and they actually get into a warehouse. uh, And I don't, and I mean, it's just the two of them for the documentary. And I don't think NASA would be complicit in letting anything happen. So they actually do get in this warehouse with a NASA rocket by themselves. There's nobody else in there. Oh, I know, I know what rocket it is. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's not an active rocket, but there's nobody else in there. They just walk in and they're in this thing by themselves. So they take that time to scream at the top of their lungs in this huge warehouse, the earth is flat. And then they get a real big kick out of it and run out of there. So that's, Man. that's the level of, uh, level of thinking that's going on there. Officially owned. Yes. They head back to Patricia's house, and I did note that they're recording episode 186 that night, so they're a little bit ahead of us on their podcast. A little bit. But here's my read on Mark Sargent. He really likes being a flatter celebrity way more than he's into, what I think, what he actually believes. One of the reasons I know this to be true is he wears a T-shirt that says, I am Mark Sargent on his T-shirt. That's what it says. 
It's like if you wore I am Glenn three underscore eleven shirt every day. Yeah, that's what he does because he gets a kick out of people meeting him, and they cut to all these clips of him being out in public, and people are coming up to him like, "Oh, hey, are you Mark Sargent?" You know, and then he'll sign an autograph or take a picture. He gets such a kick out of the celebrity of it. It's clear. Um, wow, it's clear. I also wrote here, and this is just my own editorial comment. It's very clear Mark wants to have a sexual relationship with uh, <laughs> Patricia. Very clear. But she's not. Uh, she doesn't appear to be interested. Maybe she's not interested in the same sex. <laughs> Man, you sound like you're on Matt Boylan's side here. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> so now we cut, we cut back up to the Globe Busters podcast. They've moved on from the $20,000 gyroscope, and they're on to their next experiment to prove that the Earth is flat, and they've bought an expensive laser to do this. Ooh, a laser. Yeah. Wow. So here's what they're going to do. They found a body of water where they can set up these floating posts on top of the water. So the, the theory here is if you're on the water, it should be perfectly flat because you don't have just normal topography of the earth. So you're not dealing with hills or anything okay. else. So they're going to set up a post and then they've got this high powered laser that'll shoot several miles. They're setting up another post a couple miles away. So what they're going to do is position the laser at a very specific height on post one and then they're going to put a post in the middle, and they're going to, what they're essentially going to see is that so if they think of the Earth as a ball, then they're saying the two posts should be lower, the one in the middle should be higher okay. the, the, to prove that the Earth's curved up on the water. So, so th this is how they're going to do it, right? They're going to measure the height the laser hits the post versus where it is on post one. And how many thousands of dollars did they spend on laser? Did they say? No, they actually didn't give a price quote on the laser. But I mean, this thing, I don't think it was 20 grand, but this thing was pretty heavy duty. I mean, this was not like a little pin light. I mean, this thing was in the back of a pickup truck when they were transporting it. Oh, wow. So anyways, it's very funny because they, uh, they go out to the lake and they spend the entire night trying to get the laser just to shine on the area they want it to because the guy can't get the beam right so first it's too wide and then they're cranking it down and then it's too thin so they when they start they have like 30 of their friends out there and then slowly throughout the night people are leaving to where it's just the guy and his girlfriend and she's getting pissed because she wants to go home they've been out there all night and he finally gives up because they can't get the laser to aim and then he says this amazing quote experiments are hard i didn't give enough credit to people who do experiments <laughs> generic very generic wow. We're going to get back to the laser experiment because they try again oh, okay. at the end of the, uh, at the very end. This is the finale of the show. All right. Finally, the yeah. pop at the end, the pop at the end. So uh, now we cut back to Mark Sargent. He's on his way to Oregon for the eclipse. The eclipse is a big problem for them because that is another thing that proves that there's a solar system, that the world's round, everything else. He's bought a billboard right outside the, the main, like I don't remember the name of the town, but the main, the, the optimal viewing area in Oregon where all these people went and stayed in RVs. He's bought an Earth is Flat billboard, a hashtag Flat Earth billboard right outside the grounds where everybody is, which I'll give the man credit. As far as a promotional genius, the guy's pretty solid. Yeah. So as he's out there, um, he said... Um, People were asking him, you know, well, how do you how do you justify this? And he said, well, the, the people that are running the planetarium, which is what he calls the Earth, the, you know, the dome, he said, um, 
Oh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Um, he said they're just putting on the eclipse display for all of us to perpetuate their lie. And he actually loved looking at it, but then compared it to the best special effect he's ever seen in a movie. So the man sat there, stared up at the sun with special glasses, and then compared all of it to a special effect in the movie. Wow. It probably didn't look like anything like an eclipse he had seen in a movie. Yeah. We cut back to Mark's mom, who says that he's just only been into the Flat Earth movement for about three years. And that she basically told the producers that she doesn't believe that the Earth's flat, but she also would really like someone to prove to her that it's not flat. Okay. That seems real hard. Yeah. Here's a picture. This is where it gets a little weird. So then they kind of start talking real briefly to a bunch of the followers of Flat Earth and Mark Sargent. And he starts to really talk creepy here, like almost like with a God complex where he talks about he loves being among his followers and walking amongst them and allowing them to touch him so that they can see that he's real. So it sounds very... Uh, post-resurrection wow. Jesus at this point, which is a little creepy. Yeah. Another thing I'm noticing here, a trend, um, divorce is a big player in the flat earth community. Oh no. Almost every guy there um, has recently gone through a divorce. No way. Yeah. So divorce is a, uh, is a big player there. And so this sounds... I don't know if I want to use the word cult, but this just sounds like it sounds like a cult. It's just not a religious based movement. It's just a community of people who have a common quote unquote belief, but are also just in a point in life that commonality, whether it's divorce, whether it's other reasons that they are alone or separated themselves from society. And so they won't truly be alone in the world this is their common bond. I, I, I think you couldn't have said it more articulately. Thank and it's you. a perfect segue into the next segment because now we're at the flat, the first annual, the inaugural Flat Earth Conference in North Carolina. Oh, and one excellent. thing that's very funny is, and I want to teach you this so you know, flat earthers have a hand signal that you can give um, to symbolize that you're in, the, you're in the know. And what it is is this. It's like the paper symbol in rock, paper, scissors. You just hold your hand <laughs> out like that if you see somebody else and you just slip them this, that means that you guys are linked up. You're in the flat earth community. You're in the know. Just this. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So Mark's, doing that. Mark's orchestrated this conference and he's brought in everybody we've met in the documentary are all presenting. Patricia's there. She's, film, she's filming her YouTube show there. But they've also invited uh, Matt Boyland to also keynote this along with Mark because Mark's trying to bring unity into the, into the flat earth community. Well... Matt Boyland, a.k.a. Math Powerland, makes a really, really dick move right before the conference. He had never intended on going there. So he waited until about two days before, after all the tickets were sold out, $149 a piece. They sold 1,000 tickets to this hotel ballroom. And then he makes a YouTube video that says he's not going because everyone at the conference is a Hollywood plant putting on a show for Warner Brothers. Uh, of course. And then he also makes a big deal about it because in the he read the fine print in the paperwork of when you purchase your ticket for the Flat Earth Conference, and one of the one of the um, items in the purchase agreement was that there was no refunds. 
So he makes a real big deal about, you know, if you were coming out to see me, they're not going to give you a refund because this is all a scam. And he essentially does this to just put as much heat as possible on Mark right before the conference starts to have a divided crowd, to make people mad at him and basically try to shame his rival into looking like a crook. Even though throughout the entire negotiation process, he had told Mark the whole way that he was going to come do the keynote to where right. they sold tickets and advertised based on him being there. And then he pulls out and does all of it to make Mark look bad in front of his people. So did this, this completely destroy the convention or did they, did they power through? Well, the convention actually powered through. Now the big crowd shots were probably shot a little bit creatively. I don't know that it was a thousand people there, but it looked like they had a pretty good crowd. Um, Mark comes out to give the keynote and he's wearing like the crappiest shorts, t-shirt and a baseball cap. Like he doesn't even dress up for his own keynote. He looks like he just rolled out of bed. It's very Dan McDowell. (laughs) So he speaks for a little bit and they just cut through the highlights and then he takes a Q and a at the end there's some funny questions, but then at the end, he has a big reveal. And the reveal is that they have secured funding for Mark to do an expedition to the end of the earth to prove that the earth is flat. Whoa. So I'm hoping against hope that there is another documentary that is going to be Mark's journey to the end of the earth. Cause he was very vague on when they were going to take the trip. Right. But he does, uh, he does do it. So then the, um, the, this is essentially the end of the movie, and I kind of wrote that it kind of has a lame ending, but it does exactly what you said, is it, it's all these clips of people interacting with each other at the conference, and the point it's trying to make is exactly what you said, is it's focused on the relationships of these people that have lost their marriages, they've lost all their friends, and now they have this new group of people to bond with. And it's just, it's like this kind of moving montage of all these kind of people that don't really fit in anywhere else in society relating to each other and really getting inspired to be around each other, even to the point where I think it's almost implying that they kind of know that it's not even real, but they're not, they don't even want to allow their mind to go there because they found these people that they can be with. And they kind of juxtapose that with another conference of actual scientists that's going on like young scientists where the guy's imploring the crowd to basically stop being a science snob you know, kind of like a craft beer snob. And it's like, embrace people that have different points of view, listen to them, don't just come out and try to, you know, browbeat them and say you're smarter than them and say they're stupid. Stop isolating them, you know. And so it was kind of like these back and forth. So then you think that's the end of the movie. And I'm like, man, you know, it was funny. It was tongue in cheek. Like you meet all these interesting characters, but then it just kind of ends on this kind of schmozzy feel good thing. Well, no, that's not the end because now we're cutting back out to the post experiment. Oh, back to lasers. Back to lasers. So they've now reduced the test from three miles to just 17 feet. <laughs> okay. okay. So they've done, they've done the micro math and figured out, and I don't remember what it is, it's literally a couple of inches. But it's, it's the same concept. Okay. So I'm even thinking at this point, I'm like, this is not going to work. Like They're going to they're gonna think they proved the Earth is flat on a 17-foot laser. Well, he gives like this real specific calculation. What's well, going to be five point seven inches different, or whatever it is? So he's he's on a walkie-talkie at one end. He shoots the laser, and the guy's like, "Where's it at? You know, can you see it? No, hold it up, move it up." And he's, when he's literally when the guy moves it up five point seven inches exactly, it shows up. Okay, it's like exactly perfect to the math of the curvature of the world. And the guy goes, "Huh, well that's interesting." And then it fades to black, and that's the end of the show. That's it. That's how it is. 
so it definitely it paints the picture of the belief system, the group, the community, or whatever. But it's very much the way it's constructed. It's yeah, making them look a little bit silly. Yeah, because what's funny is is and even me, like who's you know obviously not even close to believing it. But as I'm as I'm listening to these guys explain each part of the theory. I'm going like, man, you know, and they've got calculations and math, and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, that seems. And then as soon as they try to prove it, like it backfires every single time. But they, but they always add that, you know, the backfire part, or you know, they have clips of of you know real scientists and real NASA people, like you know, astronauts that are like, yeah, I mean, I've been in outer space, it's like, <laughs> right, you know, just just you know, so everything everything they say, you know, just just gets kicked back to him, you know, to be disproven, which is which is funny, but um, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's it's highly entertaining. I laughed several times. The people are so quirky and interesting. Like, if there's a part two, if there's another documentary with with right. Matt Sargent, like, or with Mark Sargent, I'm all in for for a part two. It was it was fascinating. This journey to the edge edge of the earth yeah. i know there's been it wasn't mark Sargent. there was another guy who um recently like built his own rocket and was going to take some sort of flight that was going to prove that the world was flat and that failed i think the guy got like 50 feet in the air and that thing crashed see i wouldn't put it past these guys because they're all just smart enough and just clever enough to be able to build a rocket to be able to yeah. you know take a, a, a rough math premise and build some kind of a workable prototype. Like the, these guys are, these guys have the means, the resources and the smarts to do these things. So wouldn't, would not surprise me in the latest in the, in, sorry, surprise me in the least for that to happen. I think that's where it gets dangerous too. If somebody is articulate enough to influence others, that's right. probably how this kind of no, stuff No, Cause if you, started. if you listen to these podcasts in a vacuum and don't consider it, these guys are super believe, believable. They have compelling arguments. They have thought it through. And then, yeah, and you could really let yourself... I could totally see how people could get taken by it. Totally see it. Man. I think uh, I think if you go up Denton way, of course, you're not going to not being close to Denton anymore. But I don't know if it's just like one guy or if there are several uh, followers of this belief system that... Uh, I think they got it on their cars and their trucks and they're handing out pamphlets and stuff like that at the square in downtown Denton, if I if I remember correctly. I've never run across anyone who is a flat earther. Obviously we welcome you to the well, podcast. We're gonna try we to find to we're gonna yeah, we're gonna try to find as many as we can on Twitter in the next seventy two hours. And hey, if you see anybody you think might be one, just kinda give them one just, of these. Just give them the yeah. symbol. Give them the paper symbol. Paper symbol from rock, paper, yeah. scissors. Very very nice. See if they go through with it. Wow. Well, was this was this enough punishment for you for being oh my really gosh. bad at so wrestling? I I took the uh, I needed some time where I could really focus, and I was I was taking a flight back from Dallas, uh, which was you know it's about a hour and a half flight, which is about the exact duration of the movie. And um, I had intended to bring a notebook to write notes in. And I forgot it. So I got on the plane. And so I was kind of running out of options just because I needed to write a lot of stuff down. As you could see, I mean, there's a lot to remember. And I didn't want to miss anything. Yeah. Right. So I'm sitting on the plane and I, I realize on my iPad, I can actually do the, you know, you can, if you're watching a video, like a Netflix movie, you can actually shrink the screen and put it to the side and then have like a word, you know, or a notepad open at the same time. So 
this poor guy that was sitting next to me, like he must have thought I was the, I mean, he probably thought I was a flat earther because I'm frantically taking notes while I'm watching the movie and I've got, and I've got the notepad side to him where he can, you know, easily see over my shoulder what I'm writing. And of course, you know, my notes are all in shorthand that only I can understand. So I'm writing things down. Like I, I went back and looked at the notes that I'm reading. So my notes say stuff like 9-11 was not real. Boston Marathon bombing was not real. Our clouds are really just a display system. Like, so I'm sure he's reading these notes I'm writing down and is like, who, yeah, who have I sat next to on the plane? You, you could be on a watch list. Yeah. So, so do I, you think, do you think that's worse or do you think it's my situation on the plane coming back from Boston? The, the paused movie? I think your situation's infinitely worse. Uh, okay. I don't know. I think you, you could be labeled as more of a danger to society. I'm just inappropriate. I don't know. But it's definitely going to make me, uh, whatever the next thing we pick, it's going to make me try just a little bit harder because this is now the second time I've been put through this nonsense, and I'm sure I'm on every watch list in the world at this point. Between Loose Change and now uh, Flat Earth, I'm sure, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that I'm, uh, I'm probably under, the real CIA and Warner Brothers both are probably watching me. Oh, for sure. Wow. Well, thank you for all your courage and your, and your efforts. I enjoyed it, especially not having to really do anything, just sit back and listen. 